0: In Alhamdulillah, Hamdalilla, Nahmedu, who when Estarino, who when Estaufero, when I over will laugh him in Shururi and Fusina, women say Yati Armalina, Menyahi Hilla, who feller will lella, women you the little fella, Hadiella, Wash Hadola, Illa, Huachta Hula, Sharikala, Wash Hadona Mohammedan Abduhu or Asolo. So we're going to discuss, inshallah, Ta'ala in this lecture some of the events that occur on the day of judgment. And particularly we're going to discuss some of the particular scenarios on that day with regards to the weighing scale. So we know that this particular residence, this particular earth that we've been placed upon, then this earth is a time for gathering the good deeds. And that's why the Salafdi used to say, as Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned, that there are three places of residence. There are three places where you live. You either live in this world, this dunya, this earth, that's one place where you live. Then you live after that in the barzakh, in the grave, up until you wait for the Day of Judgment to happen. That's the second place where you live, in the barzakh. Then the third place where you live is in the hereafter, in the Day of Judgment after that, either in paradise or in hell. So there are three places, this earth, the barzakh, and then the hereafter. From those three places, there's only one of them Where you can do your deeds and your obedience and your actions And gather them as much as possible for the pleasure of Allah Sincerely for the sake of Allah That is not in the hereafter, then it's finished It's not in the barzakh, that's finished It's upon this earth when you are still upon life Because once a person dies from this world Then your actions are cut off إِذَا مَاتَ الْعَبْدُ إِنْ قَطَعَ عَنْهُ عَمَلُهُ إِلَّا مِنْ When a person dies, when a servant dies, then his actions are cut off. Your deeds are cut off, except from three. In the narration, it mentions that there are three things that continue, and the reward continues. صَدَقَةٍ جَارِيَةٍ Ongoing charity. Maybe you gave some form of ongoing charity to a masjid or something of that nature, and so even after your death, the people carry on benefiting from the money you gave. Maybe you helped to build a masjid. Even after you die for hundreds of years, the Muslims are going to be coming and praying in that masjid. So it's a continuous form of charity. Also, waladin Salihin yad A person when he dies, his actions are cut off, except from the ongoing charity, and also a righteous child that he leaves behind. A person, he brings up his children in the correct and the proper manner, educates them upon Islam, educates them with the methodology of the Salaf, and they are raised up practicing that religion. Just like in the hadith, it says, Seven people or seven types of people that Allah will shade under His shade on that day when there is no other shade. One of them is, Shabun Nasha'a ala ibadatillah. A youth, a young person who grows up on the worship of Allah. So another thing that benefits you after your death is if you leave behind righteous children who then make dua for you and seek forgiveness for you, ask Allah to forgive you, that will be of benefit to you after your death. And the third thing which is mentioned is <laughs> That a person leaves behind righteous knowledge, good knowledge, knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah in accordance to the methodology of the Salaf of this Ummah then that knowledge, even after your death, the people, they benefit from it. And they read after you've died, your books that you wrote, or they uh, uh, listen to CDs or the other forms of knowledge that you left behind, people benefit from it after your death. That is something you benefit from continuously thereafter also. But otherwise, generally speaking, a person dies, everything, his actions, otherwise they are cut off. What you have done now, you have presented and you've done it for yourself in this world. After that then, there isn't an opportunity. As it's mentioned in the Quran in so many places, when the kuffar and those individuals, they say, Allah, return us. Let us go back and have another opportunity. But then it's impossible. So this world, that is the chance to gather the deeds. When that chance expires, then that opportunity has gone. But when those deeds have been gathered, and the person strives to do as much as he is able in the worship and obedience of Allah upon sincerity, then on the Day of Judgment will be the reckoning for every individual, will be the reckoning, the accountability of all of us on that day, every single person. From that accountability is the weighing scales that have been mentioned within the Quran and the Sunnah that on that day there is going to be a pair of weighing scales and everybody's deeds are going to be weighed up on those scales what can be said regarding these weighing scales one thing that can be said regarding them is that they are a real weighing scale meaning we already know that the things on the day of judgment they are from the unseen it is from the unseen we are not able to imagine or try to picture in our minds what these things can look like, they are from the unseen. And that's why Sheikh al-Fawzan, he mentioned, it's not good what people do when they try to draw pictures of paradise. They draw uh, posters of trees and rivers and they say this is paradise. Or they draw pictures of fire and all these types of things and they say that's hellfire. Trying to draw pictures and imagine what they look like isn't really good. Because we don't have this knowledge of the unseen. That's why it says in the narration, there are things in paradise that no eye has seen, no, no uh, uh, mind has ever thought of. So it's from the unseen, and we don't know what the exact details are. But even though we don't know the exact details, we do know that on the Day of Judgment, there's going to be a weighing scale, and everybody's deeds are going to be weighed up. The good deeds, the bad deeds. And that is a real weighing scale which has two sides to it and a middle part. You're uh, you're familiar with what normal weighing scales look like. That is a real weighing scale on the Day of Judgment with two sides and a middle section. Even though, like I said, it's not possible to imagine the exact details of what it looks like and how big it is and the shape. We don't know that. We don't know the details or the specifics, but we do know it is a real weighing scale. And there are two sides. And when the deeds are put into it, one side goes heavy, one side goes light. That is established. So be aware that there is a real weighing scale where those deeds will be weighed up. But then the question is, how are the deeds of the people weighed up on that weighing scale? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already mentioned regarding that, al li fala nafsun that on that day we shall place the weighing scales, those weighing scales with justice on the day of judgment, and nobody will be oppressed. Nobody will be oppressed at all. Nobody will be wronged. All of your deeds, exactly and precisely everything you did, then it will be presented onto the weighing scales to see if your good deeds are heavier or your evil deeds are heavier. So that is proven that this weighing scale will occur on the Day of Judgment. But the question is, how are the deeds of the people going to be weighed up in that weighing scale? There are actually several different narrations in the Quran and the Sunnah, or several different ayat and several different narrations, particularly the narrations that speak about the manner in which the weighing will occur on the Day of Judgment. So you tell me, how is the weighing going to be done? How are the deeds of the people weighed? How are the deeds of the people going to be weighed in the weighing scale? Is it the good and the bad deeds? How though? The good and the bad, but how? The scrolls, that's, the scrolls, that's one. Do we not know that Allah mentioned that we have the noble guardians upon you writing everything that you do, and they are aware of everything that you do. The angels that write down everything that you do, you say, that's all recorded. Every big thing, every small thing, every word that you utter, all of that is recorded in the books. The angels, they write down all of that. So one opinion is that on the Day of Judgment, these books where all of your deeds have been written and recorded, and every single thing is written and recorded, There's a hadith which mentions that maybe sometimes a person says something evil, he says something bad, he swears, he abuses, he curses, he lies, he says something wrong against the religion. And he doesn't even pay any attention to it. Sometimes people they get so much into sinning and using their tongue to abuse and lie and slander and namima spreading stories and tales and all of these evil things, they don't even concentrate or pay attention to what they're doing. They say something bad, they swear, they abuse, they lie, and they don't even recognize or pay any attention to what they've just done. But on the Day of Judgment in the Hadith it says, it's written down. Even though you may not have paid attention to what you said, because it was something evil, or even if it was something good, it is written down. And on the Day of Judgment you'll be held accountable for it. That's why in the hadith it also says, That maybe a person also says something good. Again, maybe he doesn't pay attention to it. Just something he says, it's goodness, sincerely for the sake of Allah, in accordance to obedience to Allah, practicing the religion. But the person forgets about it, he doesn't remember, he just doesn't pay attention, he says something good. He does something good. Even if he doesn't remember, he doesn't pay attention, it will be recorded that he did this good action, he made this good statement. And on the Day of Judgment, you'll be rewarded for that. So everything big and small, it will be there in the books. So one opinion is that the weighing scale, when it is put out, the books of the people will be placed into the weighing scale. The book with your good deeds on one side, the book with all of your evil deeds on the other side, and then the weighing scale will take effect. And you'll be able to see which of the two books is heavier. Is it the book with the good deeds that is heavier? Or is it the book with the evil deeds that is heavier? That is one opinion. How do we know that? Because like we said before in the previous lessons, the difference between Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, who are truly Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and the other groups and sects and people, is that they will always give you the exact evidences. So where is the evidence Where is the proof that the books where the angels are writing, they are going to be put into the weighing scale to check the weight of the good and the bad to decide the accountability of a person? What's an evidence for that? Quran, the ayat, which ayat? Mizan there's lots of ayat in the Quran about the weighing scale and how your good deeds go heavier you'll be successful how if your bad deeds go heavier you'll be unsuccessful but where's the proof that it's your books that go in there but that doesn't talk about the weighing scale and the books going into the weighing scale correct so it's the hadith what they know as the hadith al bitaqa <coughs> there's a hadith known as the hadith al bitaqa the hadith of the scroll or the parchment. There's a narration uh, from the, mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ, where he said That there's going to be a person who comes on the Day of Judgment This person is going to come on the Day of Judgment. This is a hadith. A person is going to come on the Day of Judgment For his accountability and he's going to have 99 scrolls you know a scroll when you roll it out it's uh, folded up and you roll it out as a scroll he's going to have 99 of these scrolls each one of them when you roll it out it's as far as the eyesight can see it goes on and on and on it keeps rolling out and out as far as the eyesight can see that's one then he has another one rolls out as far as the eyesight can see. Another one, 99 of them. 99 of these scrolls and they roll and roll as far as the eyesight can see. All of them filled with evil deeds. Every single one of those 99 huge scrolls filled with evil deeds. It says here, these 99 scrolls, they are going to be presented. Every one of them as far as the eyesight can see. Then it will be said to him, It will be said to that person, Do you reject any of these evil deeds? 99 of these scrolls, full of them. It will be said to him, Do you deny you did any of these? Do you reject you did any of these deeds? These evil deeds? It will be said to him, Have they oppressed you? My. Uh, writers, i.e. the angels. Have the angels written something you didn't do? Or do you accept all of these evil deeds of yours that you did? So this man, he will say, la ya He will say, no, I accept it. They're, I don't reject any of it. He will accept that he did these evil deeds. He won't try to deny it or try to get out of it. He will say, lie, ya He will say, no, my Lord. I don't have any excuse. I know I did all of these evil deeds. So then it will be said to him, Afalaka Udrun أَوْ Hasana. Do you have any excuse for doing all of this then? Or do you have any good deeds then at least? Do you have at least some good deeds then we could try to balance in the weighing scale, etc. Do you have any good deeds? This is just the meaning of the hadith. Do you have any good deeds? wa yaqul. So this man, he's dumbfounded. When it is said to him, do you have any good deeds? Because he can't remember any good deeds. So when it is said to him, he's like shocked and dumbfounded. And he doesn't know what to do and what to say. Because he doesn't have any good deeds. Or he doesn't think he has any good deeds. So he says, la ya Rabbi. He says, no my lord. No my lord. I don't have anything. But then it will be said to him. فَيَقُولُ Bala inna laka عِنْدَنَا hasana. It will be said to that man who had forgotten. He thought he didn't have any good deeds at all. When he was asked, he said, I don't. But then it is said to him, Rather, actually, you do have a good deed. You do have a good deed that we have recorded for you. Wa innahu la عَلَيْكَ الْيَوْمِ and on this day there will be no oppression upon you. Nobody's going to wrong you. If you have a good deed, it's gonna come out, and you do have a good deed. So then one more scroll will be taken out, one more parchment of paper or a parchment of some sort will be taken out. And on that parchment, remember all the other scrolls, they were evil deeds. On this last one, it will say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. So this person had died as a Muslim upon Tarheed. He had died with that good deed of being upon Tarheed and dying with La ilaha illallah. So that will be brought out for him. Um, Then it will be said, Ahdir Waznaka. It will be said, Bring your accountability now, bring your weighing out, let's do the weighing, فَيَقُولْ يَا رَبِّي مَا هَذِهِ مَعَ So the man will say, as if he's like shocked, he doesn't understand, he will say, what's this one paper with La إله illallah or this one parchment or scroll, with La ilaha illallah in it, what's that compared to these 99 scrolls of evil deeds, 99 of them as far as the eyesight can see, what's this one, one parchment going to do, compared to that, he thinks it's not going to do anything. The evil deeds are going to be so much heavier. That's what he thinks. So he says, What's, the, what's this going to do compared to all those evil deeds? <laughs> but it will be said, Allah will say to him, You're not going to be oppressed. I.e., that good parchment is going to be weighed up. So all of those evil parchments, those evil deeds with the, uh, upon those parchments, upon those scrolls, they'll be put on one side of the wing scale. Uh, and the other parchment with the La ilaha illallah in it will be placed on the other side of the wing scale. So, all of those scrolls and those parchments they will fly up, and that one parchment with the La ilaha illallah will be heavier. That will be heavier than the evil deeds, even if there were 99 scrolls as far as the eyesight can see. That is a proof for the virtue of Tawheed. A person who learns Tawheed, understands it, practices it, dies upon it, then look at the virtues of Tawheed and that which it expiates from sins. And that's why Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala, in his book Kitab tawheed he wrote a full chapter regarding how this Tawheed, it wipes out your other sins. If you understand it and you practice it properly. So look at what this did here now. It wiped out all of those other evil deeds i.e. the Tawheed was heavier than all of them And so Thaqlatil Bitaqa Qal falayathqul ismullahi shay And then Allah said Nothing is heavier than the name of Allah i.e. nothing is heavier than this Tawheed And this practice and obedience to Allah Worship upon sincerity The point of that narration is To prove that the books Or the recordings of the people They get weighed Because that's exactly what happened here With this person, his recordings of his evil deeds, those parchments, those scrolls, those books, they were put on one side, and the recordings of his good deed, even though it was only one, La ilaha illallah, that was put on the other side. So, that is a proof that it is the books, the records that the angels are writing down, that will be put into this weighing scale to see which is heavier, which is lighter. That is one. That is one clear proof from the Sunnah from this hadith which proves that... and that's a hadith which is authentic, uh, mentioned by sheik al-Albani and others as authentic. There is another opinion regarding how this accountability will occur on the Day of Judgment on the weighing scales. There's another opinion and there's some other evidences. There's another opinion which says that it's not your records and your books where all the deeds are written in that are going to be put into the weighing scale it's the person himself that will be going into the weighing scale the person himself will go into the weighing scale as well not just your records and your books and the writings and your deeds but the person himself will be put into the weighing scale to see what he weighs and what he doesn't weigh has he got lots of good deeds to make him heavy or has he not that will also be done and there's proof for that too what's the proof for that? Uh, the person himself may be put into the wing scale. Not so Mahdi bin Jabal. That's the hadith, but not Ma'adi bin Jabal. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Yeah. So there's a narration about one of the companions, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Anhu, that on one occasion Sa'ida Arashadin liftaniyyah Lis Sahaba Minha. That on one occasion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, one of the companions, he climbed a tree to try and get some fruits from that tree. To try and pick up, pick off some fruits from the tree. So he climbed this tree. So when he was climbing the tree, a gust of wind came. And it blew his clothes. So they saw his shins. They saw his shins, the bottom of his legs. When the wind came and blew his clothes as he was climbing the tree, they saw his shins. فضحكوا So they giggled at this, or they found it amusing because, or they were shocked in some narrations that they were shocked and they found it amusing, and they somewhat laughed at this because they saw that Ibn Mas'ud, his shins were very thin. He had very thin legs, رضي الله عنه. So they found it amusing and surprising, his legs are extremely thin. They weren't aware of this prior. So when the wind blew it and they saw that, they were surprised and shocked and they found it somewhat amusing that the legs are so thin. So then when the Prophet saw this uh, uh, saw this from the companions how their amazement was at the legs of Ibn Mas'ud, the Prophet said to them, Walladi Nafsi biyadihi Lahuma fil-mizan min The Prophet said, by Allah, whose hand my soul is within, i.e., he swears by Allah. The Prophet swore by Allah and he said that they talking about the two legs of Ibn Mas'ud, they will be heavier in the weighing scale than Mount Uhud itself. Mount Uhud, a mountain, the legs of Ibn Mas'ud will be heavier in the weighing scales than that mountain of Uhud. Showing how much. Sincerity and purity of obedience And uh, uh, worship to Allah That Ibn Mas'ud was upon The level of good deeds that he was upon For the Prophet ﷺ to make the statement That those legs don't be surprised or shocked Or find it amusing that they are thin These legs even if they are thin They are going to be heavier in the weighing scale Than Mount Uhud itself Showing the superiority and the virtue of Ibn Mas'ud And his amount of good deeds that he had So that is a proof that maybe the person himself will be put into the weighing scale. It's possible because this narration indicates that Ibn Mas'ud himself will be put into the weighing scale. Because the Prophet ﷺ said his two legs are going to be heavier than Ahud. He didn't say the books of Ibn Mas'ud are going to be heavier than Ahud. He said his legs are so Ibn Mas'ud himself will be put into the weighing scale, that's what it indicates. So that is another proof, or that is a proof, to say that the people themselves will also be put into the weighing skills to see what their worth is. Then there is one more opinion also regarding how this accountability will occur and how the weighing skills will judge the actions of the people. One more opinion, which is again also based upon authentic evidences. These first two opinions, both of them are authentic. There's a third opinion, which is also authentic, which is that, and this one may be more difficult to understand, but it shouldn't be. The third opinion is that the actions, the obedience of the people, the, the actual actions themselves will be put into the wing skills. The actual actions themselves will go into the wing skills. Not the books where they are written in that he prayed and he did this and did that, but the actual prayer and the actual hajj, the actual actions that you did will go in people will find that difficult to understand how does the actual action go in. When you pray and you walk away, what's left? There's nothing actually there to pick up. Where's your obedience to actually pick up? But that is something from the unseen. Like we said, this is the day of judgment. The affairs are from the unseen affairs. It's like when Allah mentioned that the Mujrimeen, the wrongdoers and the oppressors and the disobedient ones, the disbelievers, they're going to be raised up on the Day of Judgment when the Resurrection happens, upside down walking on their heads. So one of the companions said, how can that be? So then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, just like Allah made you and created you in this way to be able to walk on your feet, then surely Allah the Creator, if He wants, can make you walk on your head. That's not something unusual. Allah created you to walk on your legs. If Allah wants, He can turn that around and make you such that you walk on your head. So it's from the unseen. These are affairs of the unseen. So it's possible that there is some way from the unseen that we are unaware of of the actual actions to go into the weighing scales, and that we say that because there are evidences to prove that also. There is a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam: tani filmizan, habibatani ila al-Rahman." Subhanallahi wa in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, there are two words. They are very light, very easy to say. Very easy to say. Two words that slip off the tongue, no problem. Very easily said, very light upon the tongue. But, even though they are very light upon the tongue, very easy to say, they are very heavy in the weighing scales. fil They will be very heavy in the weighing scales. Habibatani il rahman and they are words that are very beloved to Allah. They are very easy to say, but they are very heavy in the weighing scales, i.e. the virtue of these words, how uh, Im- important these words are, how much sincerity and obedience they indicate. And Allah loves them, and they are, subhanAllah, wa Hamdi, subhanAllah al-azim. These are the words mentioned, but the point of it being, it says that they are going to be thakilatani fil-mizan, they will be heavy in the weighing scale. The words, that supplication itself. There is another narration. Part of a hadith which says, walhamdulillahi tamla mizan. This statement of yours, alhamdulillah, all and every type of praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the hadith it says, that statement is tamla mizan. It fills the weighing scales. So again, that's, a supplication, a statement of worship that fills the wing scales, the actual action and statement itself. There is another narration which says, that the heaviest thing in the wing scales is the good manners. The good behaviour, the good morals, the good manners, upright behaviour. Just like it's mentioned about the Prophet li that I was sent to perfect the manners of the people. And also, um, Aisha anha mentioned Kana Quran. that the behavior of the Prophet was just like the Quran, as it's mentioned there. Everything practicing and implementation of the Quran. So that is something that's mentioned a person who is upon this honorable behavior, an honorable character, good manners, good behavior, he doesn't lie, he doesn't deceive, he doesn't cheat but he behaves in a good and honorable manner, good behavior, morals, then that is from the heaviest of the things in the weighing scale. So again, it talks about the actual action, the goodness and the behavior and the honorable actions as being heavy in the weighing scales. So that is some of the evidences that the scholars used to say that the actual actions, and Allah is aware and able to do all of those affairs, it's from the unseen, that they themselves will go into the weighing scales. So we have three things. You have the books of the people where the deeds are written, the good and the bad, that they will be weighed up. You have the actual person that may be put into the weighing scale to see what his worth is. And the actual obedience and actions and worship may go in also. All of that is authentic. All three of those opinions are authentically established from the sunnah. So it's possible that maybe it's the books And sometimes maybe the person may be put in as well, or maybe his actions may be put in as well. All of that is legitimate and permissible, or rather authentic. All of that is authentically proven. So that is how the weighing scale will be done, and how the weighing will be done. But then, once we've understood how that weighing occurs, and there's other opinions too, but the remainder of the opinions have some weakness in them, or they're not as strong as these three. These are the main opinions of how and what will go into those weighing scales. Then the question is, we now know then, either it's the books or the person or your actions, we know that the good actions, if they become heavier, then you have success. If the evil actions, they become heavier, then you have failure. Just like Allah mentioned in the Quran, فَمَنْ ثقلت مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ So whoever his weighing scale is heavy on the good deeds, then they are the successful ones. وَمَنْ خفت مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ فِي جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدُونَ And whoever's weighing scale is light, meaning he doesn't have any good deeds, he just has evil deeds, then they are the people who have lost themselves into hellfire, they'll remain in that hellfire. That's mentioned about the weighing scales, but then the point is now, what are the types of good deeds that will make up your balance of good deeds? What are the types of actions that will count towards your good deeds what are they? And what are the ones that will count towards your bad deeds? Good deeds then? Firstly, obvious. All types of obedience and worship to Allah. All types of obedience and worship to Allah that you do now in this residence upon this earth, then they are towards your good actions that you do upon sincerity and following the sunnah with ikhlas and mutaba'ah. All of those sincere and pure actions that you do for the sake of Allah in accordance to the sunnah desiring the reward of Allah, then they are from your good deeds. Just like Ibn Taymiyyah said, العبادة اسم جامع لكل ما يحبه الله ويرضاه That worship, it is a comprehensive term. It's something which is comprehensive. It includes a lot of things. But what does it include worship? What are all these things that it includes? Actions and statements, dua and supplication, recitation of the Qur'an, actions of the heart, of the limbs, whether they are open and apparent, or they are concealed and hidden. As long as it is from that which Allah loves and is pleased with, then they are actions of worship and obedience. So all of those acts of obedience, the prayer, or at the head of them rather, the tawheed, at the head of them, the tawheed, as we mentioned already, then you have all the prayer, the zakat, the fasting, the hajj, The charity, the good manners, all of these affairs from obedience, you do them sincerely and in accordance to the sunnah, desiring the reward of Allah, then they go into your good side, into your good deeds. But what else? There are more things than that. That's obvious, all your good deeds, they go into your good side. But there are other things that also go into your good side. What else? One we already mentioned. That's your good deeds. All of that is your good deeds. All of these are your good deeds. But something else, outside of yourself. You can make du'a, for someone else, right? dua. Didn't we say that one of the things that benefits you after your death is if you leave a righteous child, makes dua for you after your death. Asks Allah to forgive you after your death. So that is one of the things that will benefit you after your death. A child, he makes dua for his parents then that du'a that is made for you, then that will be a means of raising your rank. It will be a means of some goodness coming to you. When a person makes du'a for you, not not how people go to the graves and ask them for du'a, they go to the graves and tell them, take our du'a to Allah, not that. That's shirk. We're talking about a person makes du'a to Allah, Oh Allah, forgive my father. Oh Allah, forgive my mother. Oh Allah, forgive my brother. You ask Allah, you make dua for Allah to forgive people who have died. That dua that you're making, you're asking Allah to forgive these people, then that will have an effect and you'll have an impact. And those people will benefit from that. So that will help them with their good deeds on the Day of Judgment. The dua that other people make for them and ask forgiveness for them, then that is something that the dead person can benefit from. Also what else? Beneficial knowledge that you leave behind like we said those things correct. That is something that continues and charity that, on, that is ongoing that continues after your death. That's correct. Also, things that will add to your good side on the Day of Judgment. Actions that other people do for you like what? Hajj. Like Hajj, like Umrah. It's possible you can do Hajj on behalf of somebody else. Somebody's maybe died for certain reasons. They were not able to do the hajj for certain legislated reasons, and it's permissible therefore for you to make hajj on their behalf. So when you make hajj on their behalf, they benefit from that. And it will go into their good deeds on their good side. Umrah, for example, too, is possible to make umrah for somebody who's passed away. To give charity on behalf of somebody who's passed away, that's mentioned in some narrations, that will benefit them in their good deeds on their good side. Fasting in certain circumstances... That's mentioned in certain parts of the sunnah about fasting and making up days for people who have died, who had days left to make up. And there are details to, the, to how that is done and when it is done. But these are several of the actions that are mentioned. You can do on behalf of other people. So those, when you do them on behalf of somebody else, then they will benefit. They will have some good deeds that go into their good side uh, of their weighing skill. Also, one more thing we'll mention. One more thing we'll mention that can also go into a good side. All of your good deeds, everything that you do, the good deeds other people do on your behalf, the dua other people make for you. Remember the thing about the good deeds other people do for you on your behalf. Everything we talk about has to be in line with the Quran and the Sunnah. Not when people go and they start making up all sorts. And they say, I'm going to do this now and I'm going to give it as a gift to my father. I'm going to go and do this action, that action, this worship, that worship. I'm going to start praying and give them to my father and they make all types of things. You only do that in accordance to what we've been told in the Quran and the Sunnah is allowed for you to do on behalf of others. So that you need to go into detail and research. Here we're not discussing the details of that. We're just mentioning in general the things that will benefit you on your good side. One more thing is all we'll mention. What else will go onto your good side? What well, about when a person has oppressed you and uh, he's got a bad or got Correct. A bad so now imagine a person oppresses you. We know that oppression is three types. Just like in the hadith Al-Qudsi, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inni ala nafsi kum falat Allah said, I have made oppression haram upon myself. I have made oppression wrongdoing. Haram upon myself. Allah never oppresses or does wrong to anyone. And Allah said, I have made it haram between yourselves. You cannot oppress each other also. So one of the types of oppression, there are three types. Oppression between you and Allah. That is when you commit shirk. That is oppression. You're wronging the rights between yourself and Allah by committing shirk and worshipping others besides Allah. If you die upon that without repentance in the hellfire forever. The second type of oppression is the oppression that you do to yourself. How do you oppress yourself? By committing sins. You go and do some sins, you go drink alcohol. You're not harming anybody else. But you're harming yourself, you're doing a sin to yourself. You go and you uh, do something else which is haram, something else, some other types of sins, whatever they might be, you're oppressing yourself. This is wronging your own self. Because on the Day of Judgment, you're presenting yourself for punishment. That's another type. That one, if you die upon it without making repentance, as long as it is, as long as it is not shirk, it is taht al mashiah. maybe Allah will forgive you and pardon you, and maybe you'll be held account for it. The third type of oppression is the oppression that you do between yourself and other people. You steal from this one, and you beat this one up, and you slander that one, and you lie against that one. The oppression that you do to other people. The ruling on that is, if you oppress somebody else, you wrong somebody else, and you die without making repentance, without seeking forgiveness from that person, because there, that's one of the situations where repentance by itself is not enough. The general principle, yes we know, repentance expiates your sins. But there are certain instances where repentance by itself is not enough. There are certain instances where repentance by itself, in of itself doesn't expiate the sin and wipe it away. This is one of those situations. If you've wronged somebody else, you've stolen from someone, then you can't just make repentance by yourself to Allah and keep the thing that you stole. Steal the phone worth 200 pounds, Keep it in your pocket and say, oh Allah, I repent, but keep the phone. That's not proper. SubhanAllah, look at that. That's not proper. In that case, you have to return the phone as well then. So in that instance, when you oppress other people, you make the repentance and you have to give the rights back. If you don't, you oppress other people and you die. Then on the day of judgment, what will happen? The rights will be returned. That will not be left alone. Justice will be done. Anybody who oppressed you and wronged you in this world, or if you wronged somebody else and oppressed somebody else and you thought you got away with it, nobody found out. On the day of judgment, all of that justice will be done. How? There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, Atadruna Muflis, do you know who the bankrupt one is on the day of judgment? So the companions they said, Man la wala dinar wala mataa'. a person who doesn't have any gold, any silver, any money, any possessions, he's the one who's bankrupt. But then the Prophet ﷺ said, La, lakinna, rather, however, the, uh, the bankrupt one on the day of judgment is a person, and imagine this now the bankrupt one on the day of judgment is a person who used to pray, and he used to fast, he used to do hajj, he used to give charity, he used to do worship. But at the same time, even though he used to do all of this worship, he used to abuse people. And he used to lie about people, and slander people, and deceive people, and beat people. So even though he was doing worship, at the same time, as a part of his character, he used to oppress people as well. So on the Day of Judgment, he will be bankrupt. How? Because then all of those people who he oppressed, they will come, and justice will be done. How? Because they will come, and they will take good deeds out of his good side. He used to pray, he used to fast, he's got good deeds These people who he oppressed They will come for their rights back How does, how do they get their rights back? By taking some of his good deeds from his good side So they'll take a few This person got oppressed, he comes, he takes A, a few good deeds, justice has been done He's happy now Another person comes, he's been oppressed He takes a few good deeds, justice has been done now Like that, all of these people who were oppressed One by one, they'll come And they'll take some good deeds to make the justice and equality Up until All of his good deeds, they run out on his good side. They've all run out. All these people he oppressed, they've come bit by bit and taken them away. And still there's people left. Then what happens? There are still people left needing to get justice. There are still people left more who he used to oppress. But now he's got no good deeds left to give them. So how can he do justice now? Now, those people who he oppressed, some of their bad deeds from their bad side will be taken out and given to him. So now that's Justice. Some of their bad deeds have been taken away and given to this person who oppressed them. So that's equality now. So now, bit by bit, their bad deeds will go on to him as well. So now, what's left of him now? He is bankrupt, his deeds have gone, and his bad deeds are piling up from other people as well. That is the bankrupt on the Day of Judgment. So the point of that being, that one of the things that you'll benefit from into your good side, is if people oppressed you, and they wronged you, and they took your rights Then on the Day of Judgment, you will be able to take some good deeds from them and put them into your own good side. That will also go into your weighing scale on the Day of Judgment. So then, once that occurs, and you've got all of your good deeds and all these various affairs that we've mentioned and they are in your good side, and all of your evil deeds, they are in your evil side, then the weighing scale takes effect. There's one of three possible things that could happen. Either your good deeds will be heavier than your evil deeds in which case you are successful and you enter into paradise that is the reward that allah has mentioned in the quran for the one whose good deeds are heavier than his evil deeds the weighing scale shows your good deeds are more than your evil deeds then you are successful you are in paradise if however the opposite occurs your evil deeds are greater than your good deeds then what occurs then? Al-Hala al-Thaniya, rajhan al-Siyyat. Kala ibn al-Qayyam, ibn al-Qayyam said, Qawmun muslimuna haffat mawazinuhum warajahat sayyatuhum ala hasanatihim fa ghalabat haa al-Siyyat. There's a group of people from the Muslims. We're not even talking about the kuffar, the Muslims who their evil deeds are going to be more than their good deeds and their evil deeds will be greater So with these types of people, the scholars, they differ about what will happen to these Muslims, whose evil deeds were greater than their good deeds. Many of the people of knowledge, they say that those types of people will be under the command of Allah. Even though their bad deeds were heavier, maybe, as long as there was no shirk, obviously, then maybe Allah will still pardon them. Maybe Allah might still forgive them and allow them to go. It's possible. Some scholars say though, If their evil deeds were greater, then they will be punished first in the hellfire. They'll be punished for a a period of time, for a certain amount of time, and cleansed from those evil deeds, etc. Then afterwards they'll be taken out and put into the paradise. And there's more detail to how that occurs, and how they come out, and they go to the river, and they drink, and they are like pearls, etc. But this is mentioned. There's a third scenario though. There's a third scenario, which is what? Exactly. Imagine now, it's possible, after everything has gone in and the weighing scale takes effect, the good and the evil are exactly the same. Your good deeds after everything's been put in, all those things that we mentioned, and your evil after everything's gone in, the weighing scale happens and it's exactly equal. You haven't got one more good deed than your evil deeds, and you haven't got one more evil deed than your good deeds. It's exactly the same. So what happens to those people? Where do they go? Paradise? Hell? Would get tested? Tested? The people of? The people of the heights. Or? Of the heights. Ah, people of the heights. Okay. What's the heights? It's where the good deeds and the bad deeds are. The same. Correct. So what's that in Arabic? In the Quran? Which surah are we talking about? Surah Al-A'raf. In the Quran, there's a surah which speaks about this issue. It's called Surah Al-A'raf. At the beginning, towards the beginning. Surah Al-A'raf. That one speaks about these people who have their weighing scale done and their deeds are exactly equal. For those people then, what's the ruling then? What happens to them? Where do they go? Firstly, what happens is they go to this place called Al-A'raf. That's the name of the surah in the Quran. They go to this place, Al-A'raf. And that is not hellfire and it's not a part of paradise. It's not paradise and it's not hellfire. It's a separate place. They go to Al-A'raf. And it's mentioned in the Quran how they can see the people of hell and they can see the people of paradise and they make dua, etc. But they go to this place. They don't go to paradise and they don't go to hell. They go to this Al-A'raf because they were exactly equal. Then they stay there and they wait there. They wait, and they wait, and they wait. As long as Allah wills for them to stay. Then eventually, whenever Allah decides in His wisdom and in His decree to take them out from that place, they are taken out from that place. And then where do they go? To hell, and then to paradise, or to paradise directly. How? Where? To paradise directly. They wait at Al-A'raf. Then after, whenever Allah decides upon His wisdom, they are removed from that and taken to paradise. And that is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These people who were exactly equal, if they were put into hellfire, that would be injustice. Because they were equal exactly. So they don't technically deserve to go to hellfire. So they didn't. They go to that place al-Araf, and then from the mercy of Allah, He removes them and puts them into paradise in the end. Some of the scholars, they used to say, if I die, And at the end of it all, when I come to my weighing scale, if I could get to that level, if I could squeeze myself to that level where my good deeds and my bad deeds are just equal, I'd be happy if I could just squeeze myself to there. This is how they used to be with their piety and their humbleness. Not like the people now, they say, Alhamdulillah, I think I'm safe. Uh, I feel like I'm okay. I I think I'm up there with my good and my bads down there. I feel okay these days. That's not the way to feel and that's not the way to think. The salaf, they were very cautious all the time about that. Very cautious whether their deeds have been accepted or not. Whether they have been accurate or not. So a person must always be upon that cautious state. Not to feel like that's it. I'm sure I'm safe. I've been praying my five prayers. I've done this. I've done that. I must be okay. My wings my wing will be okay. Nobody should ever think in that way. You should always be cautious. And that's why Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Love, fear and hope. You have fear. That may be. You could be in the wrong. You could be punished. Your deeds may not be accepted. Your You have fear. Of the punishment of Allah. But at the same time you have hope. You have hope Allah will accept and you'll be forgiven. And you'll get reward etc. You'll be in paradise. You balance it out always. Fear and hope. With that love. Never go too much and hope I'm safe. I've got nothing to worry about. Whoever does that. They say. Is somebody who has not understood the way of the prophets and the messengers. Imagine now Ibrahim salam, Ibrahim salam the second greatest messenger of all of them after Muhammad The Khalilullah, the most beloved one of Allah, with the Prophet Ibrahim Alayhi salam he made dua to Allah, وَجَنُوبِنِي أَنْ نَعْبُدَ Ibrahim Alayhi salam, he made dua to Allah and said, it's in the Qur'an, Allah protect me and my descendants from worshipping the idols. The scholars, they said, Ibrahim Alayhi salam the second greatest messenger, the beloved one of Allah. And he's afraid for himself and he's making this dua, Allah, protect me from worshipping idols. Protect me, don't ever let me fall into worshipping idols. That shows you, the scholars they say, if Ibrahim salam was that cautious about it, I'm making dua to Allah, protect me and keep me firm, then what therefore, for of people now who think they're safe? Ibrahim didn't, Think in that way that I'm safe and there's no need to make this dua. He made the dua and he asked Allah for firmness and steadfastness. So that's how a person should be. Like the prophets and the messengers asking Allah to keep him firm, to keep him grounded. And that's like the ayah Allah makes firm the people who believe and have Iman with a statement that keeps them firm in this world. Upon guidance and staying away from the doubts and the evils And keeps them firm in the hereafter Upon uprightness in being able to answer the questions of the angels When they come in the graves Who is your Lord, who is your uh, messenger, what is your religion They are kept upright in being able to answer them The people of Iman Those who practice the religion upon sincerity Upon the Sunnah of the Prophet In accordance to the methodology of the Salaf That is what a person should strive to do in all circumstances And gaining knowledge, that is from the greatest of the means that helps you with that. Gaining knowledge, in whatever way that is. Reading the books of the scholars, the authentic books, the authentic CDs, lectures, coming to lessons like this. It's all within blessing. And we ask Allah to make these gatherings blessed. To be able to benefit. This is where the benefit comes. You bring yourselves, your families, your relatives... And you learn about the ayat of the Quran, you learn about what Allah is saying, you learn about what the ahadith are telling you, that's what increases your iman, that's what then increases your worship, that's what then increases your good deeds, and that's what then increases your good balance on the day of judgment. So, you ask Allah to make that easier upon us, and we've only got through half of it. We wanted to discuss also the bridge over hellfire, but we don't have time for that now. Allah alam. maybe next time we'll do that. Uh, perhaps in the next lecture we could discuss that too the bridge over hellfire but that will be uh, on, uh, in two weeks time inshallah. Sunday the 7th of April inshallah, inshallah. but if you follow Al Basira on twitter what is it albasira Al-Basira.com. albasira.com if you follow them on twitter you get all the updates of the lectures and when they're going to happen inshallah or you can leave your details with the brother t- telephone number or email address and you get updates and things as well inshallah.